0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast today. We have on Stu from Omega Point. Awesome band from Oxnard. I hope if you guys are listening to this and you're not familiar with Omega Point, I hope by the end of this, your interest is peaked and you guys take the time to go check out that band. This episode was especially rare because Stu has known me since high school. And to be honest, that's really rare these days for anybody to come on the podcast who's known me for that long since i moved away and a lot of the people that i interact with these days um are new ish or newer if that makes sense but honestly it was really fun to talk to Stu. Uh, i was really glad that he was down to come on the podcast so i hope you guys enjoy the episode so without further ado welcome Stu to the podcast Guys, welcome back. How's it going? Things are good, dude. Um, this is uh, like a super rare moment for the podcast because I don't think um, anybody uh, that I've had or will have on will have known me before I got into hardcore, (laughs) yeah, dude. Um, so okay. It was, I can't remember when it was. I, I saw your band Omega Point at Program, and I can't remember if you came up to me after your set or one of the sets that day. But um, you asked me if I remembered you, and I was like immediately like caught off guard because I was like, oh my god, like I don't like want to like say yes and have like the wrong person in mind. And then you gave me like a uh, like a refresher and it totally threw me off guard um, that you actually remembered who I was because yeah. um, it'd been so long and so like
1: literally like like fifteen years or something
0: yeah uh, so when you saw me did, did you even have like a hesitation on like oh crap is that really him or did you like know right away
1: well I had seen you at shows like, prior like way longer like in the past i think uh like i saw you at like santa puri when it was in Oxnard, i do believe
0: okay in 2009
1: yeah in 2009 and i was just and i was just like oh i i remember that dude he used to like ride the bus with me at like Hinton middle school fucking and like like i don't know early 2000s so it's like you and i went to middle school together and like early high school together, and I just I just kind of was like, oh, there's that dude. I forgot your name at the time, but I was like, oh, there's that dude, and uh, just thought it was funny because like that just shows how when you move from a place, you and, and then you have like a common interest like hardcore or punk rock. It's like still very connected.
0: So uh, when did you actually leave the desert?
1: I left like La Quinta around. Probably like two thousand six, like mid two thousand six. I moved to Oxnard. Yeah.
0: And uh, so you, I'm um, left during high school. Were you uh, like a junior or a senior at that point?
1: I was a junior. Yeah, it was like middle of junior year of high school.
0: That. Kind of seems like like one of the worst times to um, pick up and go. What was that um, by like choice? Did you guys, or did you and your family have that planned, or did like it just like happen suddenly?
1: Uh, it kind of happened suddenly, but I like still saw it like happen, I guess, because my dad was working in Fillmore. He was a farmer, and um, one day he's just like, "We're moving to Oxnard," and I was like, right at that point in time. I had like just started to get into like punk rock and hardcore, um, and I had like figured I'd learned about like bands like Aggression and stuff like that. So I was very excited to move, and uh, so it wasn't even a big deal for me. Like I sure I like missed my friends, but I was like really excited to kind of move to an area where, uh, to be honest, where like punk rock was more accessible.
0: <laughs> okay um, I pictured it would be like the complete opposite Since like it was yeah. so close to like You know graduation and you probably Had like a solid group of friends So the fact that you, you would have to Like leave them I, I'd figure You'd be like you know kind of like like A little more heartbroken about it
1: Yeah I mean that makes sense I, I think I was at the time um, A little bit but I don't know I think I was more excited for change For me it was, like, from desert desert to beach. And uh, I, I think I just resonated more with the beach. Because I, I had my friends and everything, but for the most part, I was, like, pretty amped on... Sorry, I'm making a turn right now. Uh, pretty amped on, like, starting new.
0: Okay. And when you were in the desert, were you aware of any of, like, the hardcore shows that were going on?
1: Yeah, actually, like... Um, Funny, funny you say. Cause, do you remember that band? Like the first hardcore band I remember, really seeing was this band called Gene Air. Do you remember that band?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely do. I, I, know some of the members that were in that band.
1: Yeah, the they, that that was one of the them and this band called Batswater were like the two like hardcore bands I remember, seeing. Like they they played at Lincoln High School at lunchtime, and I remember. Um, it, it didn't, they didn't really resonate with me because I think at that time it was like early two thousands. So a lot of the music that was going on at that time was more like like metalcore stuff. And uh, I was trying to get more into like the punk stuff because I liked it faster, like less of the moshy, I guess. Um, but those were just the bands that were around. Like I remember Gene Air, um, this band that They were fucking cool. They were like pretty metal and then um uh i'd say this band there's a band called the disclosed there was a band called stone fox uh too young to die um that's pretty much all the bands that like come to mind
0: did you ever get a chance to see um it involves murder no okay i,
1: I don't th- think so I, that sounds familiar though
0: to be honest okay they were um like base had like a m- bunch of guys that like went to our high school uh, um so I, I was curious if you ever saw them because i feel like in my opinion um they were probably like, the biggest local band to have ever like you know been around because they actually like went out and Played some decent shows outside of the desert, but I feel like every uh, time they played in the desert It was always like like everybody would come out like you, all different types of kids like the posse kids the metal kids even the, the Metalcore kids um, you know, That was the genre that they were so I felt like like everybody showed them love
1: That's cool Yeah, I actually don't remember that band I um, It's kind of that was like a long time ago, so I don't really remember a whole bunch in terms of like hardcore stuff
0: yeah like for uh for them yeah they're just like metalcore i feel like the time that you were still in the desert like the only i feel like um bands that were like straight up hardcore um there's like some dudes over in indio doing stuff um what was the name of the band uh i'm trying to think if they're oh if tomorrow never comes do you remember them
1: that sounds yeah yeah I totally remember that band yeah like, oh, was Jimmy was Jimmy Sanchez in that band? Do you remember that
0: guy? I do remember Jimmy Sanchez. Uh, no, he was not in that band. Uh, okay. I forget what what band Jimmy was in. But he was.
1: I think he was in Colors. Remember that the Colors? I think.
0: That's such a throwback. <laughs> you remember that band? Like <laughs> no, that's crazy. I totally forgot about that band until you mentioned them. That's funny.
1: Um, yeah. I think the bigger bands in that from that scene, like the biggest bands, because I, I saw Queens of the Stone Age and Fu Manchu. That was like one of my first shows. I think those were like the two like they were they were like the biggest bands from the desert, I think, at that time.
0: Yeah. I, I remember like, like, uh, when I, I was working at the local grocery store, and the, one of the ladies that I worked with, she was like, "Oh, my son's in the band. Like, maybe you've heard of them." and I'm like, oh, "Okay, like, what's the name of the band?" She's like, "Yeah, my son plays bass in Queens of the Stone Age," and I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "Yeah, like, I think I heard of them, but like, I don't think she really understood like how like big they were." Yeah, huge. Yeah, insane.
1: Insane. Uh, I, remember, I remember another band from that scene. They were called Buried in the Woods.
0: Dude, my uh, buddy Frank is uh, the singer of that band.
1: Oh, sick! Are they still
0: around? Uh, like, some of those members started a, a new band with like younger kids, and uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm gonna mess this up, so sorry, Frank. Uh, I, but I, I think they're called Bohemian now. Ah, uh. yeah, I, I think I'm. Um, so Frank, uh, he learned how to play drums. Uh, he stopped doing buried in the woods and then he randomly like learned how to play drums and he was actually really good. And and he at one point was drumming for the hardcore band that I was in. What band was that? It it started like a little, like after you left, it was like around like 2008, 2009. It was this band called final phase.
1: I I heard, I remember that band and I remember, I remember when I left another band sprouted up called all your might.
0: Yeah, that was, um, it had like the brother and sister singer, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that was
0: cool. That's that's so crazy. So when um, you left to Oxnard, did you uh, know anything about the scene down there? Did you have any friends, or did you just go out there just not knowing anybody?
1: I went out there not knowing anybody. Like, like it's funny. I was uh, the whole thing. Like the relationship with Oxnard started before moving there. For me, like. I was at Revolution Skate Shop out in La Quinta, and um, they had a shirt with a cop um, like searching a skeleton, and I just thought it looked cool because I was like, "Oh, I want to wear a shirt that my grandma wouldn't approve of." So I bought this shirt, and then some random dude was like, "Oh, is that an aggression shirt?" But it was like that skate company, Sessions, and um, at the time, like I didn't have high-speed internet, so. I went like to the library and was like, who is aggression? And then pretty much at that point, like all these bands like from Oxnard already popped up, um, like Ill Repute, like Dr. No, uh, yeah, bands like that. And pretty much just moving to another city, already knowing the music, um, it kind of like, I want to say it helped me fit in more because the, the first people I met out here were um, the people I'm in? they will make a point with like, and we've been in playing in bands ever since. Like, pretty much ever since like two thousand six, two thousand seven, we started playing music together, and um, that's pretty much how it all started for me.
0: So, when you moved to Oxnard, did you like seek out local shows, or like how did you meet the members of your band? Uh,
1: a teacher. Well, I I was pretty much I was really into skateboarding at the time, and uh, my PE teacher was like. Uh, Hey, you like skateboarding. This kid likes skateboarding. And we, we got together and, um, and then I met Vince who plays guitar in Omega point, And I met Mikey who sings in Omega point. I actually met Mikey. We worked in the same shopping center together. Uh, I worked at a Jersey Mike's. He worked at the Vons and, um, we met that way and, and he just would wear like crucial core merch and, I would just want to like listen to these bands he was into. And then he showed me, he showed me in control and that's pretty much what set it off for me in terms of like hardcore in general. Um, because it was like, it was still punk. Like I feel like in control is punk and that's like what I was, uh, really trying to find. And, uh, I feel like that band really embodied like fast and heavy for me.
0: Okay. So, Two thousand nine, when they announced that *Sound of Fury* is going to happen in Oxnard, were you familiar with that venue that it took place at?
1: Yeah, because uh, *In Control* had played there. Uh, They um, had—I want to say it was—I want to say it was the Mark Hickey uh, from Aggression um, uh, benefit show they had there, and that was on like the *In Control* DVD, which I had seen a thousand times before. So I know a bunch of bands had played there. Like, even back in the 80s, bands would play there. Like, I think, um, uh, I want to say Uniform Choice played there with, like, butthole surfers and shit like that. Like, uh, there was a lot of history at that venue, so it was pretty cool to have a venue hold such a big fest with kids like coming out from, like, all over the states and, you know, different countries, too, um, out to Oxnard, because um, it, it used to be in Ventura, like, that was the first Santa Fury I went to was '07, and that was at the Alpine.
0: Yeah, that's um, like a super throwback,
1: dude. That was like the best venue.
0: It's not there anymore, right?
1: No, nah, no. Nah. So, like moving to Oxnard, like we, are, I already had like this venue to go to, and they had shows there like every weekend. And uh, I saw that's just I was just exposed to so much badass music at the time, and uh, and then Santa Fury happening there. I was like, man, I'm like living in an area where like things are important. <laughs> I felt like I was in a hotbed. So it was cool to like move from an area to an area where there's just like music happening all the time.
0: Yeah. Cause out in the desert, it was like little to nothing going on and we'd actually have to leave and go out West to actually find any good shows. Yeah. So going back to Santa and Fury, um, I remember when I went, I was like, where is this place? Because I, I don't think at that time, I, I don't think I would ever actually had stopped in Oxnard for anything. <laughs> so I, I remember pulling up to the venue and I thought it was like in a weird spot. Cause it, if I remember correctly, it was in some, like, uh, it was like at the end of a strip mall or there was like, uh, cause there's like a bunch of other stores next to it. Right.
1: Yeah. I'd say a strip mall was like, uh, a nice way to put it. It's literally like the, It's, like, the last street in, like, Wainimi, Oxnard, Port Wainimi, Oxnard. It's, like, once you hit that street, it's pretty much just some, like, a a few beach streets, and that's pretty much it, and then there's nothing else until, um, like, Magoo and Malibu area. So, that area is kind of sketch. Um, There's just, like, crappy bars, like, that I would not even go to. Or I don't even know anybody that would go to those bars. And it's just like very um, Hispanic, Latino forward area. Um, and it was funny to see kids come from all over and experience that. <laughs> it was actually really funny.
0: I was uh, I'm not sure how... The setup was going to be because I remember when I walked in, and then there was like the merch or whatever. And then when you got to like where the small stage was, then there was like that curtain that separated the small stage to like the bigger area where the main stage was. Yeah. I was like, I- on the fence. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I, I remember one of the first bands I saw play on that stage was like uh, Ludax. And I, mm-hmm. was like, okay. I was like, this is crazy. This is going to be fine. Like it looks weird, but it's something going to work.
1: Yeah. I think that was the first year where they did the two stage thing. I want to say, maybe they did that in Santa Barbara. I don't really remember, but um, yeah, they did like that, like whole, like they had more bands play that year and a, a smaller bands. Played the small stage, bigger bands played the big stage, and uh, that was a good year. I, I really liked that Son of Fury a lot. Like, Four Punch played, and like, Bad Seed came out.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh, arguably like one of the best years. I don't remember Ceremony played twice. Yeah.
1: They played uh, their whole catalog.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They played on the big stage and the small stage, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, yeah that was rad. And, uh, dude, Guns uh, Up Traf-
1: played. Guns Up, yeah, they, they played. I remember they covered life of agony i was super pumped and then uh trash talk played in the in the u-haul and that chick like stage dove off the venue
0: that was crazy because i i remember guns up played and then they announced like oh um trash talk's playing outside and then it was it felt like a stampede because like no like everybody just rushed like to the doors leading outside to where the u-haul was and I remember like feeling like a little scared. I was like, I think I'm going to die. If if I, if I fall over, I'm definitely dead because there's so many people just like f- trying to fight their way just to get outside to see Trash Talk. Yeah. And I remember when I finally made it outside, I, I was so curious. I was like, how the hell do these people get on the roof of the venue? And why on earth do they think it's okay to jump off and like hope that these people catch them? Because if not, they're hitting like the concrete. It, it was too crazy.
1: It was fucking nuts. Yeah, that whole that whole weekend was nuts. Like, uh, like that like random people, kind of sketchy people, trickle in to shows. Yeah, I feel like in most areas, but like in Oxnard, that that's happened quite a few times. And like, it's interesting seeing, like, kind of like people tumbleweed in. Like, there's this dude that rolled in, and some guy, I think it was during like Mother and Mercy or something, and uh, uh, some dude moshed towards an outsider and the guy like had like a rusty nail and he like
0: stabbed a kid what i don't remember that, <laughs> that
1: yeah <laughs> yeah dude
0: what the heck that uh, see when i was younger I, I felt like i was like oblivious like a lot of things yeah so that that's so crazy so got stabbed by a rusty nail
1: yeah some guy got stabbed and then like a car got stolen and like they flipped it in the back alley of the venue
0: like from and like like somebody from the uh Fest, like their car from no, the parking no, lot. Oh.
1: No, just like I don't think it was someone from the Fest, it was just like some random like SUV. I remember we all went to that smoking area out in the back, like all my friends and I, and we look out and we just see this this SUV flipped over in an alleyway where it's like how the fuck can you even flip a car like that? And then this dude just like running into nowhere. <laughs>
0: One of the crazy things was when Trash Talk was playing, there was like that um, metal fence and right on the other side was like an apartment complex. Yeah. I was I was like, this is kind of messed up because it was kind of late. It was probably like around like 10 and there was just like this hardcore band just making so much noise out of the back of a U-Haul. I, I, I seriously, I'm surprised that the cops took so long to get there.
1: I don't remember the cops actually coming for that but you, I yeah didn't th- see why not
0: the the cops showed up but they showed up on the other side of the fence so they couldn't do anything because they, they they realized that they were they were at the wrong spot so I, I think by the time they actually made it to the venue Trash Rock was able to finish that's funny <laughs> but. I was, uh, surprised, uh, that they didn't go back to, to that venue the following year. Cause like I, I read about like some like, you know, weird stuff going on like behind the scenes. So I think that's why they never went back. But did you go to the Earl Warren showgrounds?
1: I did. Yeah. So, uh, I went to Earl Warren. Uh, I don't, I think the year after was they did Earl Warren again. Cause 2007 it was Alpine 2006, 2007 it was Alpine. Yeah. And then, uh, 08, 09 it, it was like Earl Warren Oxnard and then Earl Warren again. And I think mate, I think they did Earl Warren like two more times there. I think the last one I went to was 2012. Okay. And, uh, I remember shit went down, uh, 2010. Yeah. Well, like, the
0: bad back drink backtrack set.
1: Yeah. Like, our homie Jan who lives in Santa Barbara, brought his motorcycle in the pit and like
0: that was your friend.
1: Yeah, he's he's a local dude. He lives in the area, and uh. Uh, that's his shit. Yeah. Did you ever
0: <laughs> ask him why he did it or? Uh,
1: no. I think he just he's a, like that whole crew, like the whole Santa Barbara crew. They're they're fucking gnarly. They'll they're always like pulling pranks. Um, they're they're a part of this thing called the Wrong Brigade, and they just like wreak havoc in Al Vista and Santa Barbara. And I think that it's just like in their blood. So fuck it, like bring a motorcycle in the show.
0: Yeah, I remember I was in the pit and I heard the motorcycle behind me and I thought it was just like a sample playing through the PA and I turned around and sure enough, the crowd cleared and there was this dude with his like motorcycle coming through and I was just tripping out. I was like, okay, this is like really confusing because how the hell did he even get in the building with his motorcycle and I wasn't sure if he was going to like start doing donuts or something so I remember I just like stepped back I was like I don't want to get hurt so I gotta get out of (laughs) here yeah dude
1: I and I think well I, I wasn't even there for that to be honest I had hurt my leg during down presser and I was I had to get stitches and everything so I was out I think that was like the last day and um I couldn't even walk and so I heard that happen, and then um, it got moved to um, my buddy uh, David's house. In Oxnard did you go to that
0: part I did I did yeah I like see th- this was back when like social media wasn't like a big thing still so I, yeah. I remember there was like murmurs of people are like alright like w- we're gonna post it on Twitter so just like you know follow me and like you know, just keep updated and there's like these talks of like you know a house show house show and I just didn't want to believe it because I'm like who would want to even try to house something like that after like this big fest like had like a fallout because the amount of people that would show up it would just be insane and I remember we we're just saying fuck it because I remember we like went to like I think like downtown just to kind of wait it out to see if it was really gonna go down mm-hmm. and when we decided that we're just gonna go home because just at that point I'm pretty sure it seemed like nothing was gonna happen because we didn't hear any news we got an address so we're like alright like let's go check this out because this is gonna be crazy and I remember uh, who played it was Tiger's Jaw Foundation um
1: Bane was was gonna play. Bane couldn't play.
0: Oh yeah, because the uh, the cops shut up before they were able to even play.
1: Oh yeah, I'm like surprised that it went through even like a whole band because there was like like I'm gonna throw out some fucking number, but like 500 people in in a backyard of this guy's like one bedroom house in Nylon Acres. So it's like that in itself is insane. They actually got evicted the
0: next day because of that. Yeah holy crap because yeah he, I, he didn't even he didn't even tell his dad oh wait is his family lived there
1: yeah it, it, that's where his pops lived and i remember he's just like let's just do this like fuck it and yeah <laughs>
0: damn i i thought like for some reason i just assumed that was like his spot
1: no because we i think that was like 2010 so we were all like maybe 20 damn. so yeah
0: I, I remember there was like people like stuffed in the backyard there's people on like the fences on like the roofs of like, I, I think it was like the garage or some like detached part from like the main building. Yeah. And I, I yeah, I, I was surprised that it went on for as long as it did too. But all I heard was that they just got a ticket. I didn't know they um, ended up getting evicted.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that's what happened
0: damn wonder how he <laughs> and do you know if his parents were home while that was going on or were they like out for the no, weekend
1: i think they were out yeah
0: that's that's kind of messed up because imagine being his parents is coming home and be like we're getting evicted what happened
1: yeah, dude it's like sorry <laughs> like ultimate house party because that made it, like that made it to the front page of the vc star our local newspaper and uh I think at that point we're all like, dude, we made it so sick. But I think the headline of it was like not, it wasn't like hardcore brings unity to kids. It was like Twitter brings people together to have bands play. It was like something dumb like that. Like it was like completely social media based, uh-huh. uh, but it, it was like, it was just hardcore. Damn.
0: That's so crazy. Yeah. Cause I, I remember it being like, you know, kind of like a, like legendary thing, like San Fury getting shut down because, um, I, I remember people were saying that the guy on the motorcycle was from like Burger King commercials. Was that, yeah. Was yeah, that true? Like a, or? Yeah,
1: totally true. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. See, I didn't even know that was real. <laughs> totally
1: true. I think I think he did like, it was like the small hands one if you remember that commercial. It was like the burgers are so big, your hands look small. and yeah he, he was actually in a few commercials.
0: Okay, damn. that's so funny, yeah because I, I just thought it was like one of those things that people made up about hardcore. I, I, I didn't think it was really true. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of yeah, it's funny. But I remember, like, that, like, whole year leading up to the following sanitary, people were making jokes, because Backtrack didn't even get to finish their set. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, you weren't there? Yeah. So, the... the, Yeah, I was in the hospital. The guy showed up with the motorcycle, and then, I don't know what happened, but all hell broke loose. Like, people started, like, fighting, security tried, like, nabbing people, and they started going at it with the security, and... And I remember the trash that,
1: cans someone yeah, threw a trash can on a cop car
0: yeah like th- things are just getting thrown everywhere and I was like okay yeah. this is like you know something crazy going on and it'll eventually settle down and then backtrack will be able to finish their set but they're like all right everybody has to leave like fest is done like see you guys later and I remember just tripping out like what the heck there's like the half the day still has to happen like there's like seriously there was like a lot of bands that didn't get to play
1: oh yeah yeah uh, I Feel I, I think Bane was gonna headline that day, but I feel like there was another headliner that didn't get to play in there Oh, I, th- I think it was Earth Crisis.
0: I Don't remember who's May- on that Sunday.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I, I feel like Earth Crisis played that year That was like the year of like reunions like sick of it all played outspoken played strife played um, Underdog played Yeah, crazy
0: it was wild but i remember finally in 2011 when backtrack like finally got to the stage and made it through i felt like at that point everybody's like all right cool like we can't really joke about it anymore because it's basically dead because backtrack made it and was able to play their entire set with no issues yeah yeah speaking of Backtrack. i it's strange thinking and talking about them now and realizing that uh, they're on tour for um, the last time.
1: The last time, dude, it's weird because they're like them and incendiary. I feel like hold the torch for New York hardcore in my opinion. Okay. And it's weird, weird seeing like, uh, like a band die. Cause I saw them the first time they came out to California. They, they played at Jensen's main stage in Santa Barbara, and they, they toured on their demo, and um, they played with Downpressor, and that shit was fucking rad. And I, I just kind of knew that this band was gonna blow up, and it was fun to see them. And it's weird seeing bands like start and end.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird when, like, being involved in the scene and, like, seeing, like, not just, like, bands, but, like, a, a band, like, Backtrack, who's done, like, a lot, like, for the scene, yeah. done, like, crazy tours to call it quits after so long. Like, I honestly thought they were going to be, like, a mad ball or, like, a sick of it all, like, agnostic front, just totally. being one of those bands that just are going to be around forever.
1: Totally. I don't know if that... I don't know I think we gotta wait for a band to actually do that before you know it's possible because it's like I, don't know. I feel like those bands are around for so long because they started it so I don't know I, w- I wonder who would be the band to stick around that long
0: yeah I have no idea but I uh, on their speaking of backtrack that first tour that they did I caught them down in Riverside um, it was rotting out cruel hand Backtrack, and i think one or two other bands i can't remember was that at uh lion's den was that that venue down there uh n- no at, at the time it was the the pharaoh's den
1: the pharaoh's den that's what it was yeah yeah I, was... I saw i saw marauder there
0: that shit was cool dude what a weird venue because like you would like walk upstairs and it, it would be like in one room but there'd be like a bunch of like it just looked like storage up there yeah it was weird it, it, definitely weird, but. It, I actually enjoyed that spot.
1: That was cool. Yeah, I think I only went there once. Yeah, I went. No, I think I went there twice. To be honest, I think I saw Downpressor and, and Violation there, and then I saw Marauder and uh, what was that band called? Um, World of Pain.
0: Okay, San Diego hardcore. Yeah, that band's rad. uh Was it, I seriously had something that I was going to mention, but I totally forgot. Yeah. I went to, uh, it was like a, like unofficial San and Fury after show at the Ferris Den one year. It was kids like us, Bitterrand, the Mongoloids. There was this band from San Diego called Masterpiece that played. And, I
1: remember Masterpiece.
0: Dude. <laughs> anytime I ever talk to anybody from San Diego, I ask like about that band. Like if anybody knows those dudes or like what happened to them, but nobody seems to know.
1: I just remember they had that demo and they had, uh, they were, I think they were the first band I ever heard with fake drums. Okay. And, uh, I was like, this is insane because it still sounded good.
0: How long have you, um, okay. So you play drums for Omega point. How long have you been playing drums?
1: Uh, okay. I've been playing drums. I, I was playing drums in the desert. So I've been playing since I was probably like 10 um, but in bands and like taking it seriously, uh, probably like 2007.
0: Damn, that's that a long time. Was it just like some random hobby you got into, or how'd you start playing?
1: Um, I got a hold of this DVD. Um, it, it was called like CBGB's Punk from the Bowery, and uh, it had like Chrome eggs, like H2O uh, like Harley's war and like glass of front. And I remember seeing the drummers on those DVDs and I was just like, I want to be that. And so I just like, that's just what I wanted to do. I don't know. It's like, cause I, I always sucked at guitar. I wasn't one for like making notes and like putting notes together. I felt like just like banging on stuff to make sounds was like easier and just like worked better for me. So I just picked it up and that's pretty much how it started.
0: Okay. And you said you started taking it serious in 2007. How many bands were you in before you got to Omega Point?
1: Um, uh, quite a lot, I, or yeah, a fair amount. I'd say like the first band I was in out here was um, this band called Furia, and we were like a all Mexican. I was the only white guy, but like Mexican Mexican punk band. Um, and we played we played LA like once, and then I I quit that, and then started playing. i started singing in a band called x malcolm x we were more like charles bronson and keep in mind this is all with the same members of omega point too so we just kind of like played different instruments and um uh, after that band we started never meant and that was pretty much the first band i like really took seriously when playing drums um and after never meant Omega Point sprouted up I I played on a few records here and there like I played on this band Constant Struggles 7-inch and I was in a band called Blighted as well we were like a kind of like crusty like tragedy style hardcore band Um, played some cool shows Uh, yeah that's pretty much what led up to Omega Point
0: and at the start of Omega Point, did you guys, like, how did you guys all come back together to do this band in this style?
1: Uh, well, never meant we, I moved to the Bay Area. That was pretty much the first strike that kind of had that band go down. Okay. Uh, I, I moved and I, I think at that point I was just kind of like, I didn't really want to play music as much anymore, if at all. And then um, we all went and got together for our singer, Mikey's wedding. And um, we were all good friends with Nick Samaioa from Harness and Forced Order. And he was invited to the wedding and he was just like, dude, let's just start a band. Like, I want to play bass. Um, he told that to Vince and I and we were like, and Vince and I, we, we've always been writing music together. And uh, we were just like, fuck it. Like, let's go. Let's do it.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Vince, he plays in a couple other bands, right? Currently.
1: Yeah, he's in he's in um, Sheer, and he played in Souvenirs.
0: Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I had no idea he was in Souvenirs.
1: Yeah, he played guitar, and he he was pretty much there since since the demo.
0: Okay, and he's no longer in that band.
1: No, I think he split with them maybe maybe two years ago.
0: Yeah, I, I remember I, I went to Disneyland with my buddy Tyler and he was there with one of his friends and it was actually um, this guy who um, I'm pretty sure he's still in the band. Uh, the band souvenirs. I think his name was Tim.
1: Yeah, Tim Riley. Yeah, Yeah. he's they still play. It's like Tim and I want to, and I I actually don't know who's in the band still, but I know that they're they're writing another record.
0: Okay, that's crazy. I had no idea uh, Vince was in that. Yeah. So you guys put out um, your demo in February of twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We Last. recorded with. What were you gonna say?
0: Oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, well, we recorded with um, uh, at with Paradise Studios out in Anaheim um, with what's his name uh, with Colin. Uh, yeah, yeah, Colin. Yeah, Colin with the mustache and uh, Madison. Madison from Pure from Pure. Yeah,
0: dude, that's. That's so crazy! I had no idea that you guys recorded there. I've had so many people um, from the area on the podcast who recorded at that or recorded at that studio.
1: It was a cool experience. It was it was really cool. I think for me, um, I was stoked because it wasn't someone re- like from our local scene recording us. I was excited that it was like someone from a band who I really liked because I love Fury. And it was okay. cool to like record with a member of that band. And I, I was just super amped and they, they made it sound so good. I'd I love that recording.
0: So how'd you guys end up at paradise? Cause you guys are kind of like far away.
1: Yeah. Um, well never meant played, I think the connection between us and fury at that point was like never meant had played this, the last strike fast show and they were a really cool band from Ventura. Um, I think that was around like 20, 2015. We all played a show. It was like Fury, Human Garbage, um, Never Meant, Strike Fast. And we played at um, the, uh, the Ventura Library, the EP Foster Library. And I think that's what kind of kicked that off, that relationship.
0: Okay. Hell oh, yeah. The demo is definitely sick. I think my favorite song off of it is Carved in Stone.
1: That's a great song. I love that song.
0: Yeah, and you, you guys have a cover on that record or the demo. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'll "Make a Point by In Control." That's when we were like um, thinking of band names. We just that was just the one that stuck, and, and uh, that's like one of our favorite songs too from that band.
0: So why'd you guys decide to record the cover on the demo? Cause I, I think it's awesome that, that you guys did that, but I was just curious what the thought process was behind that.
1: I th- We just love playing that song. We just, we had, uh, what, like four songs and we just wanted a fifth song and we figured we'd honor pretty much all of our, like collectively our favorite band from this area. And probably in just general, like, uh, just honor them and cover their song
0: Hell oh, yeah I, I I think it's sick that you guys Did that for your area Because you guys just like shown respect to the people That came before um, I remember the first time I, I saw you guys it was at The observatory You guys played on that Queensway show
1: Yeah with Ringworm And uh, Vane That show was cool
0: Yeah I, I remember People talking about Omega Point and at that point i had never heard of you guys. So I was like, okay, um, I have to show up early because I, I want to see what this band's about. And I remember um, me and some friends showed up early and I caught you guys a set and I was like, hell oh yeah, this band's actually really sick. Fuck yeah, thanks, man. And you guys, the last show you guys played was, um, it was that with Retaliate, Minus, Dead Heat, Slow Bleed, and Combat Shock.
1: Yeah. Did you go to that?
0: Uh, no. Uh, unfortunately, I was out of town for that. But um, oh. I was just curious. Do you guys have anything lined up for the rest of the year? Or are you guys just um, taking a break to write and record?
1: We're, we're definitely writing and recording. This is the, the most, I think, at least I have put into a record. I, I could say the same for Mikey, too, our singer. And it's like we, we're we just really hunkering down and like making things the way we want it to sound we got we're sitting on uh like a seven inches worth of songs so we got like five songs and we're wrapping that up we're going to record at, at least within the next month and then we have some shows lined up um but it's still a little bit up in the air because we're a couple months away um we're probably going to do a show or two possibly a weekend with uh, another oxnar band uh, that's kind of coming back and doing a tour. They haven't, they haven't played in a long time called no motive. Okay. And we're going to do some shows with them and then we're going to do, we're, we've been talking to some East coast friends, uh, rule them all in the fight. And I know rule them all is, uh, putting on a new record and we would love to be a part of that on the East coast. So it'd probably be us in dead heat going out there and playing, playing a weekend or something
0: dude thinking about that that's so sick because that band like i love the fight like super awesome band. they they actually just put out like a couple new songs but yeah R- rule them all is super sick band
1: it's, it's so good because they're they're like to me I, I love uh automatic that hardcore band and i feel like they i don't know if they were trying to go for that sound but it's just like that like dag nasty but still like youth crew hardcore shit and they do it so well and there's it's all their songs are really catchy and uh yeah i'm like I've, ne- I've never seen them but fuck i'd love to play with them or see them
0: yeah same here i've, I've never seen them either my buddy uh keith freeman he, he put me onto them so that band's super sick if you're listening to this and you've never heard of rule them all Hip pause go and go listen to that band right now oh yeah so you said you have, um, about five songs. Does that include the two songs off that promo that you guys put out?
1: Yeah, those are two songs off there. we got some other ones that are, uh, in my opinion, just as heavy okay, and fast. And I feel like it, uh, really embodies like the shit we want to sound like, which is like, I don't know, like buried alive, hate breed. Uh, but also like the faster West coast stuff. Like I feel like every band we, we, uh, play, play in, we like wanna just take influence from a control or like all the early hardcore bands like Doctor No and, and uh Ill Repute and all that stuff so it's cool to to just write shit that you wanna write.
0: Hell yeah and I especially love that um you take pride in, in like your guys' scene
1: Yeah it's like if you can't draw from your scene uh like scene like your local scene comes first And it's like, if you can't, you know, get the people in your scene stoked on, on hardcore and punk, then it's like, what are you really trying to do? It's like, I think at that point you're just like, I don't know, like a rock band or something.
0: Yeah. I I, I always like, I was like, California is so huge. And I talk about it on here all the time, but like over on the East coast, like like their states are all like super close together. So, you know, a couple hours in any direction, you can be in a different state in a completely di- like different scene. And in California, since it's so big, it's like in my opinion, the, the scenes don't differ too much, like on the southern side, but like heading up, like, you know, north and like where you guys are at, I, I, I feel like um, sometimes people forget that your guys' area has put out like, you know, some amazing bands
1: oh yeah uh it's crazy it's it's wild because well it it stems back from the 80s where punk rock was really like thriving in the area and just california in general um and i know that oxnard just wanted to be recognized separate from la like there was a zine around that time called uh 60 miles north of hell i want to say and uh it was just it was all about the local scene and i just always thought that was cool that uh, a lot of bands like whether they're from the valley or or, or like outland area of, of la they a lot of people still claim la and um it's cool to like be a part of a scene that's because oxford's pretty fucking big and like ventura too um but it's cool to like just take pride in like your little area because i don't know i just believe in that stuff
0: For sure. Like, I left the desert uh, in 20... It was a 2010, so, like, I'm literally, like, coming up on uh, 10 years of living in Orange County. So, transplant, but I I like to claim uh, Orange County Hardcore because there wasn't Hardcore back home. Uh, When I left, the scene basically, like, died out, and I'm happy to, like, support... All the awesome bands that have like, you know, uh, been a product of Orange County, or all the current bands that are going on right now in Orange County. So uh-huh. definitely take pride in that scene, and always want to see bands from our area do good. And and, uh, and I honestly want to see like bands up, like from all over do good because that means hardcore is gonna stay alive and uh, continue to grow.
1: Oh yeah, and that's just networking. At that point, it's like if everybody's taking pride in their own scene, like Orange County, dude. There's so much rich history in that scene. Like, you got like Uniform Choice, and then you got like like Far Side, like all these bands that you could totally hear in Fury. Which I feel like that's like what we want to do is 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 just take all the bands before us and like try to create something like new or modern, I guess you could say. But it's like cool to like every decade has like their bands from that time and um that's actually i'm actually working on a tape right now um like a diy tape kind of documenting uh the 90s of like the 90s hardcore scene in oxnard or hardcore punk scene in oxnard um it's gonna be a pretty cool compilation i'm I'm in in the works on
0: that and you say tape do you mean like an actual uh cassette tape
1: yeah a cassette tape because vinyl is expensive
0: Okay. And are you like, I'm like doing interviews or are you just like collecting like music?
1: Uh, Collecting music. Um, I dug pretty deep and, you know, ripped a bunch of stuff or had friends rip a bunch of stuff from tape and old seven inches from like uh, from bands from like 1990 to 99. And uh, I'm just kind of making a compilation of that. It's going to be a shitload of bands. It's like 45 songs, but I'm having a little zine with that too. And it's just going to kind of show people what went on in the decade after the eighties where like all these nordcore bands were like thriving and uh, playing a lot of shows and like things were big and it's cool to see like the generation evolve and like um, try to carry the torch for the, the bands before them. So I, f- I figure I'd show everybody what that's about.
0: And the 90s sorry I'm having a little brain fart so the that period in time uh, I, I think it's awesome and I, I was curious how hard is it for you to track down some of the stuff that you want to have on the tape
1: it's actually not that hard because everyone around in this scene is very uh, connected um, everybody goes to everybody's shows like no matter what age you are so um, like the singer retaliate, Zach. he helped me with it. he's he played guitar and in control, and he played in fucking a bunch of bands on this tape I'm trying to release and. Um, to be honest, like my job helped that out. really like helped with that too, because like, um a lot of them just shop there. So <laughs> uh, I met a lot of them through my work too. and um they were just super turned on by the idea and uh it didn't actually seem too hard to like get a hold of all this stuff i feel like a a lot of people take pride in this area so uh everything was well documented
0: hell yeah and i i I think that's really cool because i feel like tracking stuff down because think about it now it's 2019 and you're doing stuff from the 90s the fact that people from your area were um i think uh smart enough to actually want to document that stuff and have it ready available is awesome
1: oh yeah it's just they they just cared a lot about it i just i don't know
0: i feel like growing up uh, out here in the desert i i wish like some of the shows that happened out here got documented because there's like a couple key hardcore shows that happened out here that just there's no pictures, there's no photographers at the shows, nobody filmed it. So like all I have was just like, you know, the memories of like, you know, being there. Um, and I wish that, that wasn't it. I, I really wish that there would have been like people there. There was, uh, there was a kid in my grade who, um, booked a show. Uh, his name was Patrick Blake. I don't know if you remember him.
1: That sounds super familiar.
0: Okay. Uh, He was like one of my friends early on who like um, put me on to like a lot of um, good music. And he booked a show at the, that Rockafire Pizza in Indio. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was like just like the weirdest show, but somehow he was able to convince all these bands to come down to Indio to play. And like, I I remember he had um, like Death Star, Winds of Plague, Suffocate, misericordium uh bloodline calligraphy hoods um oblige um that
1: was all one show
0: yeah it was like this really long show and uh, crazy and uh he was really good friends with this band from orange county called adora and i don't know what happened to those guys but they came down and played it was like this giant like show and that was like one of like two shows that happened at the Rockefeller pizza that i think was like really important for um the scene down here or not down here i'm um, down in palm springs and also I, I like another show uh my buddy steve kibble he, he booked uh, it was like this crazy tour and like i think it was like 2003 2004 it was down to nothing cast aside and blacklisted that's sick yeah and just like thinking about it now like it's still like to this day is like one of the i I think in my opinion probably the best hardcore show to ever happen in the desert um and just like thinking about those bands now and like what they've um, done since then it's just like crazy to think about them like actually playing in the desert
1: oh yeah you just you just feel so fortunate like to have those bands go down and like consider your city Uh, but also just to be a part of it too. It's just, it's important. So that sucks that no one could like document that stuff. I feel like in this area, we're all really lucky to have guys like Fred hammer, who's been taking photos at punk shows and hardcore shows since like the late eighties. And he's had zines since then too. So like he has just um, like endless amount of film photography that he just has scanned like up to like, even now he's still taking pictures at shows. So it's cool.
0: Okay. Um, so this uh, tape and zine, are, are they going to come out at the same time?
1: Yeah, it's it's like a one package thing. So I'll have that out at the same time.
0: Okay. And do you have a name for it?
1: Yeah, it's called Reflections. Um, I feel like that was a suitable name, but also um, that was probably the best song from that decade. This band called Clenched, Clenched Fist um, wrote a really cool a hardcore song called that and uh I'll have to send it to you because that shit rocks
0: yeah I'm down and in the zine is it just um like interviews that you did or or like write-ups um about records that are or about the songs that are on the tape
1: no I'm I'm just going more like photos and like band logos and um kind of like that cut and paste style flyer art that I really like um it's just going to be a little zine it's more like I'd say artsy um, um just kind of embodying that whole like classic flyer design in I don't know, a little booklet so dude
0: i i think that's awesome because i feel like you can give that to anybody outside of your scene to, to educate them and then even like it could even fall in the hands of like a younger kid from your area and then that could be like you know their guide and like just shoot them off in any direction into this scene you know
1: Exactly. That's, and that's where it kind of stemmed from. Where because this the scene right now is like our scene is like really popping with all the younger kids. It's, it's really fucking inspiring. We have a lot of good bands out here. Like, uh, uh, younger kids like Civil Conflict is really cool. Um, they're they're playing like literally every show they could play, and um, they just rip. They're just like a punk band, and they're like really tight. I'd say they're like fucking tighter than Dead Heat and Omega Point combined, and like them and like there's bands like bootleg brigade and um uh there's another band called operation oxnard and these are all like kids that are under 20 years old just like ripping and i feel like i want not only the kids to know about these bands but other people too because like i'm just a nerd for like history especially music and uh, maybe someone else's too and i can inspire them
0: yeah and just share the knowledge because I I always talk about how it's like really hard to know everything that's going on so like Uh for me there's totally been bands that have just like slipped through the cracks and I totally missed so I'm always interested in like learning about like the history of like you know certain scenes and just like you know taking the time to listen to music and appreciate like what they did for their area
1: hold on I gotta fucking call never mind (laughs) sorry (laughs) no it's all good no some fucker from New Zealand is trying to call me
0: oh are are you like selling something off like Depop
1: yeah dude totally
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay now I'm curious is this somebody you know from New Zealand or is it like a spam call
1: I think it's a spam call I have no idea who this is so I'm not even going to answer it I just don't know if you could hear the beeps on my phone
0: No, no, nothing on my end.
1: Oh, then I'm, it's just me.
0: Okay, and so you're using, um, we're on Skype and you're just on your phone? Yeah. Okay, no headset or are you using a headset?
1: Headset, yeah. So I'm stoked to do an interview like this, it's kind of cool. Because when you said Skype, I was like, are we going to be face-to-face? Because that shit's always awkward, but it's cool that like we're just on the phone.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm like, i for the most part, like hang out with just like, just like a small number of people. So I'm sure they get uh, sick of me like rambling on about the podcast 24 seven. So I just love that I'm able to do this and talk to other people who aren't uh, sick of hearing me talk about the same stuff all week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. And I've um, done video once because I, I j- just had on these uh, awesome uh, people on from Minneapolis They're in a strange band called gadget. And I, I thought I was just doing the normal, um, you know, call and they actually video called me before I could even call them. So I was like, crap, they kind of put me on the spot and I was like, whatever. I was like, if they're going to be on video, then I'll just turn on my video camera. So it won't be awkward for them just staring at nothing. And uh, I I was nervous too. I was like, crap. I was like, and like, I was like half awake. I think I was still wearing the same shirt from the night before. (laughs)
1: That's hilarious. That's not a good look, dude. You can't wear the shirt from the night before.
0: Yeah. Well, luckily I got, I was just here like recording. I, I wasn't like going out and doing anything weird. <laughs> um, yeah, like going, like going to Disneyland. Dude, I love that place so much. That's, that's tight. I'm glad. Um, just curious. When was the last time you were at Disneyland?
1: Uh, I think it was a fucking grad night, Oxnard High School grad night.
0: Holy shit!
1: And I was and I was there for like twenty four hours or some shit, and it, and I never went back.
0: Wow. Okay. So you you just had your fix twenty four hours. That's a long time.
1: That's a long time. We, like, I was there overnight, and I remember eating chicken fingers at fucking three in the morning, and I got sick, and I think that was the last time I went to
0: Disneyland. That's so crazy. <laughs> I. I I uh, didn't go to my grad night I mean that was by choice. Like I remember uh, it was like coming down to the wire, like w- to buy tickets and my mom was bugging me and she was like, Hey, do you want to go to grad night? And for some reason, like I, I was uh, nervous to explain to her that I didn't want to go because at the time there was this band from the Inland Empire um, and their reunion um, or their comeback show was the day after my grad night. And yeah. and I just didn't want to go to grad night because I was going to be too tired to go to the show, and the show like meant a lot to me because I never thought I'd be able to see this band. So I told my mom I was like, "No, I was like, it's fine. Like, uh, save the money. Don't want to go to grad night. I got like something going on the next day." And I remember me and my buddies, we drove out to Corona. It was at the showcase. Um, this Who was ba- it? Uh, this band, they're called um, Bound in Blood. Uh huh. Yeah, so it was like some awesome like strange band uh, that just like got back together, and like, I had never seen it before, so like I just really wanted to catch their set. It was an awesome show, in my opinion. I, I thought it was worth missing my grad night to be able to go to that like comeback show. Oh and yeah,
1: I'd I'd miss I'd miss grad night for a show any day. Yeah, I mean, you only sure. get one grad night.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like throughout the years, I'm. Uh, Starting to like you know, take bands like calling it quits and stuff like like a little more important because <laughs> there's this time uh I can't remember like what year it was but I had a choice and I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on here before but uh, it was either I go to Anime Expo with my cousin or I go to Showcase with my friends to see Carry On's last set. And, oh shit! Yeah, and in my mind I was like, you know what? Bands always reunite. Like, it's fine. I'll go to Anime Expo. Carry-on will break up. And at some point in my life, they'll get back together. And to this day, they would never play the show. And I regret that so much, not going to their last show.
1: I would... Dude, that sucks. Yeah, they they will never play. And, yeah, I think Carry-on's cool, too. Like, we 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 all love Carry-on around here. Todd Jones, who played guitar in Carry-on, is actually from Oxnard, too. Oh, really? Yeah, so... Um, actually, on my comp that I'm putting out, like a, uh, "Stand Your Ground" is on there, and they're he, that's his band before Carry On, and uh, they're just like a really cool youth crew style hardcore band.
0: Yeah, I, I remember like we would see uh, Todd Jones at like the local Walgreens and we'd like nerd out and be like holy shit That's Todd Jones But like he, and like I'm pretty sure he knew like we were like talking about him because like we, I think we like made it super obvious But like we never actually went up and talked to him because I, I, I just felt like really intimidated by him Oh, yeah,
1: he's an intimidating guy for sure
0: Yeah, but you, you think about like what he's done like for hardcore like the bands that he's been in like the records that he's helped write, Like it's just so insane
1: it's actually insane like and and that was actually mentioned on a podcast a local podcast recently um called 185 miles south uh zach nelson's podcast from retaliate and um he he did todd and it was cool to hear that that history because like i feel like terror did change hardcore um uh you know coming from what they were saying how like he he liked Youth Crew, but also liked heavy East Coast shit like Death Threat, and then just put those things together, and then you had like a whole new fucking band.
0: Yeah, and you think about like what that band has done and what they're still doing to this day. It's so insane.
1: Oh yeah, they're they're like a career hardcore band. It's fucking amazing.
0: I always um, like I like wonder because you, you think about how, like how long Terror's been around and. How active they've been! Like those guys must love hardcore because they still put out great records. And I I hate when like kids don't take the time to listen to the new stuff because it's like one of those things where I feel like if like Terror were to ever break up, kids would you know like cry about like wanting a new record when like they're putting out new records right now. It's like enjoy this shit while you can because nothing really lasts forever.
1: Yeah. But, but dude, going back to what we were saying about like backtrack and having them be like a mad or sick of it all, I feel like terror, terror is like t- 100% that band.
0: Oh yeah. Hell yeah. For sure. For, yeah. for California, like they've literally been around since I think like 2002.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah 2001, 2002. Totally.
0: So super sick. And like... I, I think like another one of the, um, those bands from like California, I, I can totally see like rotting out being like that type of band.
1: Oh yeah. They, you, cause they came back. They're actually doing a tour soon.
0: I yeah, think they're, they're doing just, that knock loose tour. Well,
1: wow, That's crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a bigger tour.
1: Test who then knocked loose draws like the most kids ever.
0: Yeah, I, I remember I, I saw them at a warp Tour one year. I was like, this is insane.
1: That's fucking wild. When was that?
0: I want to say it was 2017. Because I got, um, uh, my buddy um, asked me to help him do merch. So we were doing merch for that band Falling in Reverse. And we had like a pretty big setup, and I wanted to see more bands, but like I just couldn't because it was just me and my buddy. So I just asked him, I'm like, okay, just let me go see Knock Loose and I'll be here for the whole day. So I, I like stuck away, um, and he was cool with it. So I, I just went and caught Knock Loose that day and then just like went back to the tent and just like hung out there all day. That's cool.
1: But, I think didn't Gene Air play Warped Tour?
0: Honestly, I, I don't know because like th- there's so many things that like went over my head because, um, back then, like I was still like, well, we were young and yeah. I was still trying to like, um, find out, like uh, you know, who my friends were because I just didn't have any like that were into that kind of music. So,
1: oh, sure. I remember like you, like growing up, you were like. Like, there was, like, the punks, and then, like, I'd say you were a hardcore kid for sure. Um, I I remember you had a a fucking agnostic front hat. Dude. Or or shirt. It was, like, the the negative approach. It's weird that I fucking remember that, but I remember you had, like, that agnostic front and negative approach (laughs) article of
0: clothing. Dude, I had the shirt and the hat, so you're definitely correct in remembering (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) dude I, I was so stoked to wear that to school the next day because i literally saw them it showcase it was like agnostic front and no innocent victim it showcase and Fuck. yeah and like that was like a big part of like their spread for that um uh for, or at that show from what i can remember they had like yeah that that negative approach rip and i i was like dude had to have the hat because I, I thought the hat was so sick and i just wanted a cool t-shirt
1: dude the sick shirt so it's just fucking white print on a black shirt
0: yeah yeah classic yeah and i don't know what happened to the shirt but somebody stole my hat so that sucks. Yeah. And I, I, I wish back then I was smarter because I was obviously buying t-shirts in my size. I, I wish I could have been like thinking like way ahead and bought shirts in bigger sizes so I could eventually grow into them and have cool like merch from back in the day. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I feel I actually feel a little fortunate because I, I have shirts from like 10 years ago now, which doesn't even seem that long ago, but it's like I still fit in them. Um, so I'm stoked that I'm like, like not like fat. I
0: don't know. Did you just indirectly call me fat?
1: (laughs) No, not at all, dude. I (laughs) immediately, when I said that, I was like, fuck, (laughs) but I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to like, like maybe I could fit in the medium. So that's like, maybe that's like kind of pushing it. But I don't know. I think I, I was just like large, like I'll just get only larges.
0: Yeah, I, I remember um, when I was like going to shows when I was younger, I would ask bands if they had like youth large, like I was like a small kid. Oh, dude, youth large.
1: Yeah, I don't think any bands I, I, that I could even think of. I feel like bands that have like, like I feel like Ignite would have like a youth large shirt because they had like girl like shirts. Okay. I feel like they would have like different sized tees for smaller people
0: yeah i i remember one of the rare times where like i hated being small i went uh bleeding through at the glass house and for that show like their whole like merch line was all like boondock saints like rips and they and they had nothing in my size because i was too small and I, and I was so pissed that i can buy anything that's funny yeah because I, I, if I remember correctly, it, it, they had this shirt where it had like you know the um, the guys had like hands with the guns, and then on the tattoos on their hands, I'm pretty sure it just had bleeding through, which I thought was so sick.
1: It's so tight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. So throughout high school, I, I would wear like youth large, smalls, and then fast forward. To now, I rock larges, which is like I feel like an, like pretty like average size.
1: I think I think large should be medium because medium's like right in the middle. But I feel like most people are fucking medium or like large. Like I don't know. I feel like that's like the standard size.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So before we started the podcast, you actually mentioned to me that you live in your van.
1: I do. Yeah. So, um, I, I start. I lived in my van for a year, about a year ago now. Um, okay. Cause I, well, just like ran, I mean, a lot of it's like family based, like random drama and shit. And like my parents got evicted and then, but at the same time I was already planning to move into a van. Um, because I, uh, I, I rock climb. That's pretty much what I do almost all the time if I'm not like playing music or working. Um, so being able to live in a van and climb all the time is something that I strive for. And it just makes it easier that way. Um, I'm like pretty big on minimal living too. So I feel like it was a better outlet and third it's like expensive as fuck to like live anywhere and be able to do the things you want to do. Um, especially play music. If you want like to sound good, I feel like you have to buy the right stuff and so living in a van makes that all easier for me. Um, won't be forever, but it's like, I cherish it. It's fucking cool. Um, I like it. I built my van out. I have like a 89 40 con line van and uh, yeah, just staying local. So it's, it's fun. I like it.
0: And so you said it's an 89. Have you had to like do any like work on like the actual car, like, like for like the engine or anything?
1: Nothing too gnarly, which I'm very fortunate about because when I bought the van, I thought I totally scored because she said it had 75,000 miles on it, but it actually had like 275,000 miles on it. Um, and I definitely put like right now I'm at probably at like 330,000 and that shit is still running strong. Um, every, like most issues with it are like cosmetic. Um, I haven't ran into any like major problems. Uh, I think like it, it wasn't starting like a couple months ago, but fixed that real quick and I'm on the road. It's
0: cool. So, and are you like an experienced mechanic or did you have to go on YouTube to try to learn how to fix your van?
1: Oh, I'm 100% YouTube mechanic. And like, um, uh, I bought like some, I don't know. I want to say like repair manuals um, to make it work uh, because, yeah, when shit hits the fan, it's like your house is broken. Like (laughs) you got to know how to fix it on the spot. So it's nice to like like I never actually liked cars growing up, but now I see I feel like having a classic car helps with that more, too um you want to keep it up and running because i feel like this year or like the, the year of the van i bought um and the engine it had from that year uh those things are probably the best ford ever made so i feel like i it's my duty to like keep it running strong and hasn't let me down yet
0: so inside your van do you have like a like a little mini stove or refrigerator
1: i have an ice box i have you know, random cupboards here and there for my stuff and cabinets. And then, uh, I got a solar panel, so I got power in there too. And I have a a little sink in there.
0: Okay. Uh, So the, the solar panel, what does that power on, on the inside? Like what do you use it for?
1: Uh, my lights, my lights, um, and my charge, my phone, uh, charge random electronics and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, I could honestly go without power, but it's just nice to have. I, th- I feel like, eh, lights are important, too. But for the most part, it's just, like, the lights and charging stuff. Nothing crazy. Like, not like – I don't have, like, a fridge or anything, but that would be something I'd want to invest in, probably.
0: And does it ever get too hot inside your van?
1: All the time. It's, like – I'm, like, living in a tin can, especially right now. But it's, like – I'm. it's nice living by the beach or, like, in a – like. A beach neighborhood area town, um, but a lot of the time, I, it straight up feels like, like that scene in like Ace Ventura when nature calls, when he's like in the rhino. Oh,
0: and, and he's climbing yeah. out. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's Holy like crap. sometimes it's it's like that when I wake up and it's like magically a sunny day because it's usually cloudy out here in Ventura County. So I'll wake up and it'll be fucking hot as hell.
0: And for places to park, cause like obviously you have to find places where it's okay to park overnight. Like what's that situation like? Do you have like a designated spot you always go to or do you just kind of like just rotate?
1: I rotate. It's just respectful because my van's not the most beautiful thing to look at. It's old. So it definitely looks like someone is living in it. Okay. So I want to, I want to spare neighborhoods from that eyesore so uh, I have like my parents they they uh, they have boats that are docked out in like the two harbors in Oxnard so I'm very fortunate to have parking passes for those so I'll like alternate there or like just stay in neighborhoods based on like where I need to be the next day so it's like if I have work I'll stay in Ventura if I'm gonna do something in Oxnard I'll stay in Oxnard that night or like yeah just little decisions like that
0: Okay, because I'm getting uh, serious. Uh, do you know that climber Alex Honnold? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, because I, I I watched his um, documentary. Was it a Free Solo? Yeah. Or, okay. So watching that and seeing him like live out of his van, that's like kind of what I'm picturing.
1: It's exactly what I'm doing, but I'm definitely not in the mountains as much as him. Like he's like he's what I aspire to be, but like climbing is his job. So he's able to just be in Yosemite or like be in like Joshua tree or like wherever he wants to climb, like all the time for me, it's like, it's kind of, it's based around work and I have a full-time job at Trader Joe's. So, um, it's kind of hard to climb all the fucking time, but it's, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked to be in an area where like, there's a lot of good climbing in Santa Barbara and there's a lot of good climbing in Ohio. Um, so I find myself there sometimes.
0: And are you doing like free solo stuff, or are you actually like using like harnesses, and ropes?
1: I use harness. I, I use harnesses and ropes because um, there, there's a big like to clarify. Like free soloing is like literally like one percent of climbers. Like that shit's like final exam stuff. Like okay, if you fall, yeah, if you fall, you die. And Alex Honnold is like the poster child for that. Um, there's very few climbers that do that. So what I usually do is bouldering, which is, um, like shorter routes on things that are probably the highest I'll go is like 30 feet. If it's really easy, I'll go a little higher, like 40 feet maybe. Um, but I, I keep it probably around like 20, 20 or like a little less. And it's just like really hard stuff that it's close to the ground. So, um, I'm not really going to worry about like falling far.
0: And have you taken any like hard falls from bouldering?
1: Yeah, I actually took a really hard fall super uh like super early in my climbing, I guess you could say career it was uh I was I was living up in Berkeley, Oakland area, and um I was on my break in between jobs and uh I climbed up this route that was like probably fifty feet and I fell about thirty feet up uh straight down face first broke my face and my foot and like got like stabbed in my side by like a tree and shit it it was like it sucked so bad and uh i was i was out of work and climbing and all that stuff for like a couple months so that sucked
0: were you climbing with anyone like anybody at the time or you just like out there by yourself
1: i was by myself because i like at least at that time i was like mid mid to early, like early, mid twenties. So I was like pretty awkward still. And I was like living in an area where I didn't have any friends other than people I worked with. And I was the only one that liked climbing, um, that I knew. So I went out alone and fucking fell alone and never did that
0: shit again. Did anybody find you or did you have to like kind of get yourself back together and like go to like a hospital?
1: I didn't get knocked out. I fell and just like, I like, it was like the ultimate, scenario of having the air knocked out of you, like, if you could have the air knocked out of you twice, that's, like, how it felt. It was fucking crazy. And I, I remember standing up and all this blood came from my face. And I was like, this is bad. And, uh, I, call, I the first thing I did was fucking call out of work, told them I couldn't come in, and then, uh, took a selfie, because that shit was crazy looking, and then called 911, and they had to come find me out in the mountains of Berkeley. So,
0: damn that's so scary and so what when you fell was you like just like lose like your footing or grip or what caused yeah it was, that? Foot, it,
1: it was it was footing like my hand was in uh it's called a hand jam so it was like it was a crack that was probably the width of your fist um and my finger my hand just slipped out of there and my footing slipped so it just it literally felt like like a like the Roadrunner Coyote cartoons, like when he like runs off a cliff and then like is suspended in midair for a second and then falls. That's like literally how it felt. It was
0: crazy. Damn. I'd be so scared. That's crazy. Yeah, it's scary. Hmm. Okay. And so these days, have you found like friends that are into climbing or bouldering?
1: Oh, yeah. Like um, Robert, he's basically the fifth member of Omega Point, And he's just, he's just like the hardcore friend. I like have known him as long as everybody else. And, um, he's my climbing partner. So we're out bouldering all the time or like roping up all the time. Um, so him and I are really into it together. And then, um, there's like actually a fair amount of kids that are into music that are also into climbing. So it's cool to like build that community between the two. Um, and our, our singer, Mikey, he'll, he'll climb with us a few times. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like actually a big climbing scene out here too, so it's fun to be a part of that as well.
0: And uh, do you guys ever do the indoor stuff? Because I know there's like those gyms that have like those makeshift rock walls.
1: Yeah, they they built one recently. It's called Boulder Dash, and they have one in San Fernando Valley, and they have one in Westlake. So we got the third one, and we're like, it's like right off the freeway, and I find myself there like four days a week training
0: okay hell yeah that's awesome I, wh- one of the um, uh, people that I've had on the podcast uh, his name's uh, Jamie he's in this band called Outsider from Richmond and he actually does uh, uh, bouldering because him, him and I talk all the time and he like sends me uh, like videos of him doing it sometimes it's pretty cool
1: that's sick I actually just heard their uh, their newest release is pretty fucking cool
0: yeah awesome band they're actually doing a, a, a run right now on the east coast Sick
1: I think are they coming out here? I want to say I saw a flyer, but it could be wrong
0: Uh, Nothing that I know of maybe you saw something that I haven't seen No, maybe I don't know But I would love for them to come out west, but I I think they're super sick
1: Yeah, them and there's a few bands. I've been jamming Um, that are like current recent current bands. Like, I like wild side. They're pretty cool. I'd like to see them out here
0: Did you catch them at the Santa Fury after show?
1: I did not. I only went to the Dead Heat Day, and that was actually my first Santa Fury since 2012. So it was like a big... It was like, personally for me, it was like a big deal. So I I only got to see Dead Heat.
0: And why haven't you gone in so long?
1: Uh, I think just it being in LA was like a a reason for me. Uh, It was just, I don't know. I I felt like I didn't want to go because it wasn't as close. And I think... during that gap of me not going there was just like not a lot of bands that i that really resonated with me at the time
0: okay for sure i missed uh santa Fe 2012 because my roommate left me and i was so mad that i, I didn't want to drive because uh, because of the time we were living in anaheim and i i just didn't want to drive all the way up to santa barbara by myself mm-hmm. yeah so you. yeah so I, I i definitely missed that year and then the, yeah, and then since it's come back, it's been in like uh, downtown L- LA. And I think, think it's been okay down there. Like, like Dude, yeah. Yeah. That the, venue's
1: beautiful. The Belasco is like a beautiful venue.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely prefer the Belasco over the region.
1: Yeah. I never went to the region. I don't know.
0: Okay. Just like, I feel like there's like more space to like roam around. And I, and I don't feel so like, condensed
1: yeah there's like three levels and like a restaurant and like dude it's just crazy like even on that level to see Santa Fury evolve like from just having one stage with all these bands it's like two rooms with all these bands and like vegan catering and like and like even like alcohol too that's just like it's crazy to to be a part of that it's just it was just crazy for me to experience that
0: and you you said you you only uh, were there for dead
1: heat. Well, I, I went that day, so oh, I okay. showed up. Yeah, and I saw like Firewalker; they were cool. And like I pretty much saw every band after. Um, I want to say Firewalker. So I saw Have Heart; that was amazing. That was beautiful. And then like, no warning; they were cool. And um, I really wanted to go the second day. I just couldn't couldn't get it off. I really wanted to see Kulu. I really liked that band.
0: Uh are you going to catch them on their run that's coming up with Ill- Illusion?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I love Illusion too. That band's super sick.
0: Yeah. I was happy that um, both those bands were able to come back out like, you know, so quick after Sam Fury.
1: Yeah. And I, and I know Illusion, they have members from like all over. I think they're like California. Like I know Alex lives in California in, uh, and like other members live in New York, I want to say so it's cool to like have bands from like all over be able to make a weekend work or like a tour work.
0: Yeah. Cause trying to coordinate like just everybody getting like the same time off. I feel like it was just hard enough. Oh yeah. But okay. So 2019, uh, I, we're like a little past like halfway through the year. He said, you guys have a couple shows lined up and you're sitting on like five songs. Do you have any um plans on when you want to release your new music
1: within like the next month or two it's like or at least have that recorded within the next month or two um and and then from then it's just packaging like um we do, we're, we've been DIY for so long i feel like um we that's just like what we know so we're going to like just have it out as soon as we can and do a lot of it ourselves like we I, I think we want to shop around for labels. I, I'm not 100% sure yet, but um, as for the band um, We got some uh, we have some shows lined up uh, but nah, We're not like the most active band ever <laughs> to be honest
0: And it, is that by design are, are, are you guys okay with that?
1: yeah i think starting the band we we didn't want anything to be super serious um so we're just playing with what we could get and we, we've been offered shows and it just i don't think the scheduling has worked out for us because um you know our singer he he has a wife and, a, and and uh we all have our jobs that seem to take up a lot of our time so it, it does kind of suck in terms of that but uh i'd say that's like the only real well also nick lives in In uh orange county area like anaheim area so it's like it's hard to get him out for shows but luckily we've had uh brando from dead heat be able to fill in and so that's been really fun to play with him every once in a while
0: okay well i feel like um kids should definitely take seeing you guys like a a little more serious since it um, doesn't happen so often
1: yeah, that'd be cool, man. Like, anybody that wants to listen to our music or see us or, like, pay attention is just means the world, I think, to me. Because, um, I don't know, I, I just like like what I play. It's just fun to fucking play music and play hardcore and, like, bring people together and have a good time. And if anybody's willing to, like, give that the time of day to my band or, like, shit I'm playing for or, like, even my friends, uh, that's just, like, the coolest thing ever.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I, I, definitely respect what you're doing up there for your scene and, you know, wanting to uh, keep the history alive and uh, do the zine and the tape and playing the bands that you're in. I, I, I think it's awesome. Cause like, you know I, I always say this, um, like, you know, people like you are the reason why this thing is going to continue to live on and grow and be able to, you know, expose it to the youth and keep it alive.
1: Thanks, man. That's cool. That's, yeah, that's, like, what I'm going for. But, like, that's, yeah, I just like it. Like, if that means that that's what's going to happen, that's the fucking, I'm stoked, like, at 100%. Because we have a lot of bands out in this area that I feel like haven't gotten, been able to really break out. And I feel like that's, like, the theme for a lot of fucking hardcore and punk bands from the 805 is uh, they're, like, a lot of these bands are, like, they do a demo And if they do a seven inch, we're all really lucky or it's just like a lot of bands just do a demo and they don't break out, but they're fucking good bands. And so I I hope that a lot of these bands out here can kind of break out and play a bunch of cool shows.
0: Yeah he's going to help encourage them to stick it out. Cause sometimes things don't happen right away. Sometimes it, it takes a little time and I, I feel like some bands, if, if they're just willing to stick it out and like, you know, get through like those like dull moments where they think things aren't going to pop off, like th- things will happen.
1: Yeah. If you're just true to true to the music and true to why even why you're playing it, um, that everything will fall into place pretty much.
0: Yeah. You just had to give it time. Rome wasn't yeah. built in a day
1: that's no, true that
0: <laughs> all right i um think this is a good place to wrap things up before we go is there anything you want to shout out <sighs>
1: yeah uh just bands from this area uh i'd say shout out to fucking three-day holocaust um super cool band they just released um uh i i want to say it's l it's an lp they have two um One's a a bread to slaughter and then they have a second one that's just got released yesterday online on Bandcamp, and It's called the narcissism of small differences and that shit fucking rips. It's heavy and it's fast Uh, I'd say shout out to flyswatter. They're a great ventura band They got an LP in the works Uh, Fucking civil conflict dead heat, of course Um, I'm actually gonna go see uh, show tonight with a band called Combat Shock uh, Super cool band uh, Members of Dead Heat and Railer, And um, Stalag 13 uh, Ben plays guitar in that band too They're an old OG and hardcore band And uh, I'm always stoked to see them I actually saw them with Dead Heat Out in La Puente uh, Last week In a driveway And they fucking ripped So I'm stoked to see them and They got a demo out And uh, Yeah That's what we got
0: All right. There you guys have it. I appreciate all you guys listening. Please go out and show support to Omega Point and everything going on up there in that area. It's awesome stuff. And yeah, this is it. This has been another episode of the Jamie RK podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I always appreciate it. It means the world to me. And we'll catch you guys again next time. Thank you.
1: Sick.